Hello, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, thanks for joining us today. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, and I am your host for today's show, Aaron Richards. I'm joined here virtually in a very unique and special show that we have for you today by my friend and brother in Christ, Dan Demite. We just wrapped up here at Damascus Catholic Mission Campus in Centerburg, Ohio, an amazing weekend called the Empower Conference. It was our very first Damascus Young Adult Conference, and man, oh man, our sessions were power-packed, and the messages were transformative. Uh, After reflecting on the content from this past week's conference, Dan and I and uh, and Brad, our other regular co-host here on today's show, we thought it would be great to wrap up some of the content that was so transformative in this past weekend and to uh, to communicate it to you, our, our radio audience. You know, one of the themes that we often discuss here on Beyond Damascus is how it is that we respond in a in a, in a challenging cultural moment to what it is that God's doing in our in our situation in our society in our environment and uh, Dan's session which he which he presented this past Thursday December 31st at the Empower Conference in the year 2020 was entitled Do You See It it was a it was an invitation to more of the Lord and and the the key highlight that I want to draw from this is understanding that in the midst of the most turbulent times it's then that the Lord raises up the holiest and most mission-oriented saints. Why? To change the course of history. That's where you and I come in, friends. And we'll kick off today's show with uh, with a prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, I pray that you would allow our hearts to be moved by this message as we join in, after the fact, over the airwaves, with the couple hundred students that gathered here at Damascus in December of 2020. Um, And Jesus, we pray that you will continue to pour out your grace on our lives and on theirs. Inspire us by this message and call us, Lord, to greater mission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, I'm going to kind of be joining with you to, to, to guide us through the course of this session, but please Sit back and relax and allow your hearts to be moved by these words from one of our regular hosts on the Beyond Damascus show, Mr. Dan Demite. Thank you. All right, my friends, I'm so excited for this conference. Are you excited? We are here for one reason and one reason only, and his name is Jesus. Yes. And so I just want to hear the church say the the name of the long-awaited Messiah, the name of the long-awaited Savior. When, when, when God wells up in your heart, I just want you to just say, Jesus, loud through the mask, because the name of Jesus is greater than that stupid thing we wear on our face. And we're just going to yell his name one, like whenever the Lord places on your heart, and you're going to yell it loud. If you don't usually yell loud, you came to the wrong building. Um, and so just, yeah. Lord, just right now, inspire us. We are so excited to be here to to be with you, Lord. Jesus! Oh, I love you! Woo! 
All right, friends, who wants some fire over the next few days? Yeah, the Lord was saying to me, we don't have to wait till day three to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and to be baptized with fire, right? Jesus says he wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and and fire. What does that mean? Have you ever experienced fire in your stomach where the word of God is welling up or fire in your bones? The prophet Jeremiah, he says that the, the word of God is this fire that wells up inside of him. He says he can feel the fire of God in his bones and he can't help but proclaim the gospel. Brothers and sisters, if you aren't at the point in your life where you just can't help but proclaim the gospel, it's because you haven't been baptized by fire yet. That when you're on your campuses, when you're with your friends, when you're in this world and there's that fire inside of you that just makes you like yearn, like I can't help it but speak the truth. I can't help it but say Jesus' name. I can't help but evangelize. When you have fire, it gets out of you. And as a temple of the Holy Spirit, you bring the presence of God everywhere you go. So Jesus, we just come before you tonight hungry, so hungry, Lord. And I just pray that you would just fill us. You would immerse us. You would drench us. You would dip us in your fire, Lord. That you would allow the word of God to enter us so boldly, so powerfully like it entered Mary. Jesus, that you would allow us to become a tabernacle another Mary that just brings Jesus into this world. Lord, I just pray you would bring fire right now. More, Lord. More. More. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just bring more hunger right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, great news for you. The Lord was just pouring out a lot of words for me for this message tonight. And I started to type them all up, and I had 20 pages of notes. I was like, whoa, that's way too much, Jesus. I need the Cliff Notes version. So he gave the Cliff Notes version. So it's only seven pages. We're really good. We do have like the, the, the half-inch margin instead of the one-inch margin. That's, that's good news, right? But I have a word for tonight. Are you guys ready for it? Yeah, I'm hungry to share just what God is doing in the book of Haggai, right? That uh, just to give some context for this book initially, like this is right after the Babylonian exile, a few decades after the Babylonian exile, and the, the, the Israelites are allowed to start rebuilding civilization again, rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple. And, and over and over and over again, they attempt to build the temple and they fail. The Samaritans are actually making it impossible for them to rebuild the temple, and it's been decades of just failure of trying to rebuild the temple and not succeeding. And so they're tired, they're weary, and they're starting to lose hope. And the reason they're starting to lose hope is because imagine if you like had to, like, have you ever been to Europe and seen one like the insanely gigantic cathedrals, right? You're like, how the heck did they build this like before technology, right? And like, just imagine the grandeur of the temple. And the reason they're starting to lose hope was because ever since the, the, the prophet um, Ezekiel, they, there's this word, the second temple, the rebuilding of the temple was going to be greater than the first one. And so there's this almost this pressure of like, oh my gosh, we've got to do something bigger and greater, but they were failing. And so Haggai hits the scene and he starts to speak to the people and he reminds them of that promise that, hey, God wants to build something greater than he did before. And this great temple that we build, it's going to be the house of the Messiah. He's going to come and he'll dwell in this temple. 
And so this is Haggai chapter 1. This is what he says, because what had happened was the, the Israelites had rebuilt all of their homes, right? And they get to this point, and he brings all of the leaders and all of the priests together and all of the remnants of Israel. So he brings people together, and he speaks. He says, it is time for you to dwell in your own completed houses while the house of the Lord lies in ruins. Is it time for you to dwell in your own completed houses while the house of the Lord lies in ruins. You've rebuilt your homes and you're happy there and you're dwelling there and yet the house of the Lord lies in ruins. He says, consider your ways. You have sown much, but you have brought in little. You have eaten, but you have not been satisfied. You have drunk, but you have not been exhilarated. You have clothed yourselves and yet you have not been warmed. And you have earned wages, earned them for a bag with holes in them. Thus says the Lord God, consider your ways. I want to speak tonight to consider your ways, right? And, and Haggai, he's not just speaking to the laity. He brought everyone together, the leaders, the priests, and all of the remnant of Israel. And he said, consider your ways. Are you dwelling too much on your own comfort and not enough on the house of God that lies in ruins? And then he gives this next prophecy right into the next chapter. He says, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Just think about that. Who's left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And the answer was no one there. Because it had been decades and decades. And the people had lost hope that there could be a resurrection of the temple. He says, how do you see it now? Imagine gathering there and you're in the ruins of the temple of God. And he says, look at it. It once was a glorious place for worship of God. It once was a dwelling place of God. And yet now it's in ruins and you live in comfort in your own paneled, completed home. Okay with the fact that the house of God is in ruins. How are you not shook into the core that God's temple is crushed and you go home in a completed house every night? Brothers and sisters, he says, consider your ways. Are you dwelling in comfort while the house of God struggles and suffers and lies in ruins? How do you see it, he says? How do you see the house of God today? How do you see the church today? Have any of you seen it in its former glory? I doubt it. I don't think any of us were alive when we could say, man, the church was awesome back then. I don't think any of us can like say, like, you know what? Every parish I walk into, oh, the presence of God is so alive there. They're the people of God are with, living with resurrected joy. They understand that we worship a God of signs and wonders. So often I go into parishes and I wonder if they even know what worship is. I wonder if they even know who, that the King of Kings is dwelling in that church. It's like they're kneeling with their bodies, but their hearts are completely numb to what it means to worship the living God. Our church lies in ruins, and we see it, and we know it, and we're just watching it in our lifetime. And the question is, what are you going to do about it? Because from the moment we were born, the church has been on a rapid decline, a rapid decline, not just in America, but all over the world. 
Right? In America, only 17% of Catholics are going to Mass. In England, only 9% of Catholics are going to Mass every given Sunday. In France, only 4% of Catholics are going to Mass. In Ireland, only 1.2% of Catholics from the age of 14 to 24 are at Mass on any given Sunday. These are Christian nations, nations that were one for Jesus, nations where great cathedrals were built, nations where, where the, the church formed the fabric of human civilization, and now these nations are in ruin. The church is dead and dormant. And do you sit in your comfortable, completed home while the temple of God is in ruins? Consider your ways. Consider your ways. How much have you given and how much are you willing to give to rebuild a temple of worship in the church? Once again, friends, this is Aaron Richards from Beyond Damascus. You're listening to a live recording from our Empower Conference where Dan Demite is in the middle of delivering a very powerful message on uh, the signs of our times and reflecting on a scripture reading from Haggai. We're going to come back right after this short break, and we're going to hear some more of um, these powerful words in what is a real call for us and how to respond especially in a time where our church is in crisis. Friends, uh, thanks for joining us for Beyond Damascus. We will be right back after this short break. He is honored by the church as one of the greatest enemies of clergy sexual abuse. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. In his time, St. Peter Damien fought against the many vices of contemporary clergy, especially sexual abuses among the clergy. In 1051, he wrote the Book of Gomorrah that is still considered essential reading for fighting abuse today. He died in 1072. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Now there's a fast and easy way to get in touch with EWTN. The EWTN Everything Number. Call 1-800-447-EWTN to get the latest information on programming, special events, pilgrimages, and more. Our EWTN Family Viewer Services representatives are ready to help you with whatever your needs may be. The EWTN Everything Number. 1-800-447-EWTN. EWTN. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, if you're joining us for the first time today or if you are a long-time friend, you should know today that Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We are so blessed for their partnership. And today's show is a unique one as we join our regular show co-host, Dan Demite, in a live recording at the Damascus Empower Conference. In the first segment today, Dan uh, introduced us, um, inspired us with a word reflecting on the minor prophet Haggai in calling the church to renewal, uh, a, a word that is especially pertinent and appropriate to our world today. And in this next segment, um, Dan is specifically calling us as a church to respond in the ways that are most appropriate, uh, especially as we deal with with global crisis in the midst of this uh, of this COVID pandemic. So let's uh, let's join back in with with Dan at the Empower 
2021 conference. You know, they say with COVID, the decline of the church has increased about 10 to 20 years. That huge decline we were seeing, it's just been sped up now. I don't know, I'm assuming if you're here, you were at Mass on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. There was like one-fifth of the people in our church for the Christmas Mass. I mean, we've lost 75% of our Catholics in the last 10 months. And the question is, are they going to come home? We're seeing a remnant being formed that we knew the dead church was going to die, but we saw that it was going to be a slow, steady death. And that remnant, Benedict XVI prophesied that the church was going to get smaller before it got bigger. And we're starting to see that right now in our days. Now, just like the church lies in ruins, the whole world lies in ruins. Why? Because when the church is broken, the world's broken. Because the whole purpose of the church is that we go into the world and we sanctify and we rebuild the world. And and we've seen in our world just complete brokenness. Just absolute, like we are living in the darkest times, I think, in human history. Consider the last hundred years from 1920 to 2020. Consider what has taken place in this world in the last hundred years. We've seen this, the last hundred years have been the deadliest years in human history. We have seen two world wars. We've seen entire nations with massive genocide taken out. We've seen a nuclear arms buildup. We've seen a rise in these just unhinged terrorist movements. Do you know that the last hundred years, there were more Christian martyrs in the last hundred years than in the first 1900 years of Christianity? That our Christian brothers and sisters are being persecuted worldwide faster and more rampant than ever before. In the last hundred years, we have seen more death and destruction than ever known. We've seen the sexual revolution bring about contraceptions and in vitro fertilization and just broken marriages and broken homes and broken hearts. We've seen abortion enter our world. It's like we're living amongst the plagues. And the 10th and the final plague to warn the Egyptians of the wrath of God was the death of the firstborn child. And for the last 50 years globally, we've been killing the firstborn child ourselves. We're bringing the plague of the wrath of God upon ourselves as a people in this world. And the Lord says, I want to bring you freedom and you're choosing death for yourself. And the Christian faithful are afraid to speak out because we're in our comfortable homes and our comfortable silos and we don't want to offend anyone and we don't want to mess up things and we don't want to disrupt our relationships. And so we bring the plague of and the wrath of God upon the nations because we're afraid. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Today, 125,000 babies will be killed through abortion. This year, 46 million children will die through the hands of abortion. In the last 40 years, since 1973, when Roe v. Wade was legalized in America, we have killed legally through abortion that we have on record that we know of 53 million babies. 
That's more than the entire population of England. We, we are bringing a holocaust. We have caused a genocide because of our silence. Consider your ways that while the church lies in ruins, everything else is being destroyed. Will you be silent? Or silent no more? Do you see it? Do you see the pervading darkness, the relativism? The truth has lost all meaning. Guys, we've lost ourselves. The world is spiraling out of control. Marriage is crumbling because we're too afraid to talk about the fact that it makes no sense that a man and a man get together. It's just not of God and it doesn't make sense in natural order. And we've got to speak against it or we lose everything. John Paul II says, as marriage goes, so goes the nation and so goes the whole world. Did you know in the last hundred years, the world has never seen such a rapid, rapid decline of marriage and family. And the family is the basic cell of human civilization. And when we lose the family, we lose civilization. Without family, without the order of marriage, nothing gets built. It lies in ruins. The culture is in ruins. Relativism is pervading. And as I lose a sense of family, I just go into a silo of myself. And so we've built this world of individualism where it's all about me and I don't have relationships uh, or authentic human relationships with other people. And I tell you what, it's just speeding up and speeding up and speeding up faster than ever before because of these stupid masks that we're required to wear. Because I can't have a human relationship with you if I can't see the joy on your face. I can't have a deep human relationship with you if I can't even see the fullness of your dignity revealed through your face, the image of God. And you all know it. It's like, gosh, you want to have a better conversation. And as you're trying to have a deeper conversation with the person, you're there like, I'm going to pull this down so I can have human interaction again. It's part of the enemy's plan to destroy our relationships so that we can't authentically move into the human heart and discover the image of God again. Do you see it? Hedonism. Because when I don't worship God, I have to worship pleasure because it's the only thing that I think will satisfy or consumerism, because if I don't have the, the, the treasures of heaven living inside of me, then I just try to get these treasures of the world. And so the, the chasm between the rich and the poor are growing faster than ever before. And we live in our comfortable homes while people freeze to death on our streets. Do you see it? Pope Benedict XVI, at his first World Youth Day in 2005, gathered the young adults of the church, and he said, the, the church... And the world are in desperate need for spiritual revolution of holiness. I remember I, I didn't go to World Youth Day, but I was in uh, St. Patrick Church in the front pew just doing personal prayer time. And I was reading his messages. And as I read those words, it was like my heart just broke. That the world is in desperate need for some sort of a spiritual revolution to shake it up, to change things, to upheave the order of darkness. 
And God had just like hit me with a laser of just this pain and this hurt for the brokenness and our world to see the pervading darkness that consumes us. Brothers and sisters, do you see it? A spiritual revolution, a revolution of the Holy Spirit is what the world is in desperate need of. A revolution of the Holy Spirit. And what's a revolution? It's when a young people, revolutions don't happen with like 70s and 80 year olds. Have you ever seen like, like revolutionaries like, oh shoot, right? It's 20s and 30 year olds who look at the culture outside and they say, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of these authorities that lay hold of our culture and we're going to overtake them. And the authority of the evil one has laid hold of the culture for long enough. And it's time for us to say, enough is enough. I'm going to overthrow it in the name of Jesus. Because he who lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling inside of you. So the question is, are you going to live in your comfort kingdom? Or are you going to say enough is enough? The end is here. The, the, the kingdom of darkness is done. It's done. Brothers and sisters, a revolution comes. When people give everything. Revolutions don't come from pansies and wimps. I'm serious. And we have way too many pansies and wimpy Christians who feel really warm and fuzzy inside when they come to get healing from Jesus. But then they don't want to go out and be a warrior for Jesus. Listen to me, church. We got to rise. We've got to rise. You've got to wake up. You've got to get out. The church isn't meant to be a country club that serves members only. The church is a deployed army. And if a deployed army simply hangs out at base camp all the time, guess what's happening? They're not gaining new territory and they're losing the territory they once had. And that's what's been happening because we're not a deployed army anymore. We just hang out in our country club. We get fat and lazy and we feel good about ourselves. And if you want Christian community, but you don't want Christian mission, you're not a Christian because you're an army that has to love one another and strengthen one another so that you can be deployed together. Win your campus back. Win your sphere of influence back. Pray for community. Pray for community. Pray for community. But do it for the sake of mission. Not for the sake of comfort. And if God hasn't given you community yet, go on mission anyway. And I promise you, when you go on mission, you'll find community. And if you don't find it, you'll start forming it. The Lord is drawing together a remnant. Romans chapter 11, he says, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. God did not reject his people. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left and they are trying to kill me. Imagine that feeling of Elijah I just feel so alone. I'm the only one left. They've torn down. They've, they've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets. I'm the only one left. The Lord doesn't say, oh, let me comfort you, sweetheart. <laughs> he says, no, do you see what I'm doing? Do you see what I'm doing? What was God's answer to him? God said, I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time, there is a remnant 
chosen by grace. You're not alone. And if you've been crying because you feel alone, do you not see what he's doing? He's raising up a remnant. And brothers and sisters, while the temple was in ruins and while the world is in ruins, I didn't come here tonight to preach bad news. I came to preach the good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ has risen victoriously from the dead and he's doing something in our time that is new and fresh and never done before in the church's history. You're part of salvation history and the book is being written and this chapter is about you. It's so amazing what God's doing. Our, our holy fathers, the church has announced and prophesied a new evangelization. Do you see what I am doing, he says? Do you see it? There's a new evangelization that we're going to win new kingdoms for the gospel. We're going to learn to discover to win people over to the love of Jesus Christ in new ways, in new methods that we've never discovered before. It's a new evangelization. It's not that God is going to return us to an old evangelization, back to the glory days. The Lord says, no, I'm doing something new in your day. You're going to discover my glory in a way you've never seen my glory. It's a new Pentecost, the church has prophesied. That means a spirit... If it's a new Pentecost, it's not a return to the old Pentecost. It's a new Pentecost. The Spirit is being poured out upon the church right now, in these days, in a way he's never been poured out before. You're going to see the Lord do things that the, the saints of old never saw him do except from heaven. Our lives are the best lives ever. This is the greatest time in human history to be alive. In the 1300s, and the 1400s, and the 1500s, when the church was fat and happy, no, the Lord wasn't prophesying a new Pentecost. He wasn't promising a fresh outpouring like the world's never seen before. God, we're lucky to be alive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is the best time. And you've got two choices. You can stay home in your completed home, in your comfort kingdom, or you can go rebuild the ruins. You can stay home and bring people into your comfort, or you can go out and recruit people to rebuild the ruins. And I want to be the kind of person that when the, the temple that is greater than the former temple is rebuilt, I want to be the person to say, man, I was a part of that! I laid that stone and that stone and that stone. I know I didn't lay all the stones, but that one was mine. And Jesus said, Dan, I love you so much that you get to lay that stone. That's amazing. Where are you going to be? This was the word I got for the conference. I was just asking the Lord. I was like, Lord, I just want you to give us a new word. And he said, there will be an eruption of worship and joy like the church has never seen before. Guys, there's going to be an eruption of worship and joy here in the coming days in this room that the Lord, the world has never seen before. Because the Lord says, I make all things new. And whenever we worship him, there's something new happening in the room and in the atmosphere at that very moment. There's going to be, if you're like, worship isn't my thing. Well, then heaven's not your thing. Get on Get on this page and discover what God is doing. The Lord said, see, now 
is the time for me to show the nations my glory. I am an unpredictable Messiah. And I will do something unexpected in your time. I will do something you could not prepare for. Make ready your hearts. And he says, do you not know that we have reached the dawn of a new apostolic age? Brothers and sisters, do you see it? Do you see that we are in a new age of the church? And it's a new apostolic age. And what does that mean? It means that the age of the first apostles of James and John and Peter and Andrew, of Paul and Mary Magdalene, of Mary, the mother of God, what they got to experience, we're entering into a new apostolic age. And I'll tell you what, the Lord is promising in these days that that former house, this next house, is going to be greater than the former one. The greater things are coming. That this new apostolic age is going to be greater than the apostolic age of 2,000 years ago. I just got a sense that the apostles in heaven had this holy jealousy upon all of us. And they're like, man, I mean, this was awesome what we did, but look what they get to do. You have global access to finally take the gospel to the nations. It's time. Are you going to live in your comfort house or are you going to get on board? Are you going to lay foundation stones for the new apostolic age of the church? There's going to be saints that are raised up that are greater than James and John. The Lord's saying, I'm raising up new sons of thunder. There's going to be saints that are stronger and called a greater apostolic leadership than St. Peter. There are going to be greater evangelists that have more wisdom to share with the church and plant more churches than Paul. Do you not see what I am doing It's a new evangelization. It's a new Pentecost. It's a new apostolic age. Quit living in this mindset that you're so tiny and that God doesn't love you enough to make you the superstar of this story. So the goal tonight is just to see what he's doing. Do you see it? As a remnant, do you see what he's doing? When you're inside the woods, your perspective is flawed. Right, like if you're like walking, I was like on a silent retreat a couple uh, right before Christmas, and I was walking through the woods, and I was so disappointed because I kept going higher up the mountain, and as I went higher up the mountain, the the trees just kept appearing, and I couldn't see outside. I wanted to see just the vastness of the created order, but I couldn't see it because the trees were in my way, and I just get a sense of so many of you are inside the woods, and you're simply seeing the trees, and God says, "Do you not see what I'm doing?" He wants to pick you up above the forest and to heavenly places and sit side by side and show you what he's about. Jesus revealed to us, what does your revolution of the Holy Spirit look like? Reveal to us what this revolution is. Show me, Lord, the vast darkness in our world. Show me the principalities and the evil spirits that pervade society so I understand the war that I'm in. But then, Lord, start showing me your glory. And let me understand the pockets that you're raising up, this remnant, the 7,000 that you're raising up for me so that I'm not alone. 
I think I just had this image of you sitting in heavenly places side by side with God the Father on one hand and Jesus on the other hand. And the two of them were just showing you everything that's going on in the world. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then all of a sudden that just got silent. And Jesus was like, hey, that's your role right there. That's the foundation stone that you get to plant right there. And you're like, oh, I can't, I can't. Like, how could I possibly do that? I'm starting to see everything you're doing, God. I can't do that. And he's like, oh, I will give you fire and the Holy Spirit, and you will rebuild my kingdom. You can't do it without fire. You are wholly incompetent. And yet you are fully competent in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we want that friendship with God. I just want to share a few things that I'm seeing. Three simple things that I'm seeing. Number one, I see that God is breaking people's hearts for the love of others. Then in a really powerful way in this time, God is actually placing his heart into us. And I'm seeing just hearts that are just being set on fire with the love and the mercy of God. Because when you see the temple in ruins, your heart just gets broken. And when you understand the pervading darkness in society, your heart gets broken. Because God... uh, For a long time, I was like, oh, man, my name is Daniel. That's like the worst name ever. It means God is my judge. Like, hey, God is a God who judges. And God loves us, but out of love, he will bring his wrath and his just punishment. But God, a God who is a judge, is also the God who brings freedom. A judge can condemn or set free. And the Lord wants to bring freedom but he's breaking our hearts to understand that there are so many who will be condemned if they don't give their lives back to Jesus. When you're in your comfort kingdom, you're only concerned about your own salvation. So you can stay in your little completed home caring about making sure that you get to heaven while the rest of the world burns in hell. But when you see the temple in ruins, you see that the church... They are the building block of that temple. And what's in ruins isn't a building. It's not a a structure. It's the people that they're broken and they're hurting. So I believe God wants to break our hearts tonight, that we would just love his people more. Secondly, something I'm seeing is that the Lord just wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh. And he promised this, right? And and, um, Acts chapter 2, he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Here's the beauty. God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. 
And don't lose this Catholic of today because what happened was we, we were raised in a church that taught us that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon certain peoples in a special way. And we started to venerate the lives of the saints and we tricked ourselves to believe that what God did in their life, God did in their life. But that God wouldn't do that in my life. But God isn't doing, I mean, right? You grew up hearing about the healing miracles of Padre Pio and St. John Vianney. And you're like, man, I wish I was like them. I've got good news for you. You are like them. That God is doing something here and now in these days that is so special. It's not just saintly superstars getting raised up. One in Italy, one in Mexico, one in France. He's like, I'm raising up hundreds and thousands of saintly superstars because my spirit is being poured out upon all flesh. We are not limited to healing to one saintly character in a different country. You have access, all access to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the new Pentecost where we're all being given, granted this access that maybe generations before didn't know they had. He's doing that. So it means he's chosen you. You weren't left out. And when you were a little kid, I just, I get a sense that there was a few of you, there's a girl here who was just, you had this desire as a little child to be like the great saints. And some things have happened in your life that have convicted you that, and have, have lied to you that you just don't have the ability to do that. The Lord says, listen, you have access. I'll give you the little way and I'll give you the big way. It's not either or and it's not that some get this and some have to deal with that. It's that we all have access because the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon all flesh. Amen? Then the last thing that I see him doing is that he's raising up these just revival saints because in the midst of the darkest situations, light shines brightest, right? Right, like in the morning when like the blinds get open, you're like, ah, right? And it's the normal light, but because it was darkness, that light is so strong. And the Lord, right now in the midst of this hundred-year darkness, he's raising up just light that is going to shine so beautifully and so radiantly and shift people in a way that it's, it, the, the, the light's just going to shine with more clarity. And I was getting a sense of the the saints of the last hundred years, these saintly superstars like Maria Goretti and St. Faustina and Gianna Mala and Padre Pio and Maximilian Colby and John Paul II and Mother Teresa. The Lord was just saying, Dan, do you see it? They were like John the Baptist. They're precursors to the new apostolic age. I'm going to do something even bigger. That there's going to be new saints rising up in our time that are going to shine even more radiantly than Colby did. Even more radiantly than Padre Pio. Even more radiantly than John Paul II and Mother Teresa. And that's why the saints are in heaven like, man, I'm kind of a little jealous. I mean, this is awesome, but that is awesome. I'm going to close with this, Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of Christ. Let's just, I want to, do you see what Paul's talking about here? Because I think a lot of times we miss it because we don't understand the historical setting. When Paul is speaking about running the race in an arena, the clouds is an actual stadium term that they used back then for the nosebleed section. So he's saying, we're in a stadium. And we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. The angels and the saints, they're filling every seat in this stadium, every single seat, all the way up to the top, to the nosebleed section, all the way up to the clouds. The stadium is packed with the angels and saints, those incredible saints that have gone before us, those part of the first apostolic age. They're there. But you're in this story with Paul too. And where are you? You're not in the stadium. You're on the field. He says that cloud of witnesses, they're looking at you. Right now in 2020, on the cusp of 2021, all of heaven stares at the main character of the new apostolic age. And the name of that character is you. I just think about what it was like in heaven when Mary was on her knees and the angel Gabriel came to her and announced his vision for Mary's life. I mean, just imagine heaven, the clouds of witnesses, they're all like, oh my gosh, what is she going to say? What's she going to say? What's she going to say? And they're just waiting. And like before that huge moment in the game, it just gets dead quiet. And the Gabriel announces the vision for Mary's life. And then the words of a warrior, the words of a deployed soldier, a missionary for the kingdom of God, are spoken. Let it be done unto me according to thy word. And the stadium goes crazy! Yes! Yes! Oh my gosh! The game just took a different turn! The evil one thought he had victory, but no! She said yes! She says yes! Oh! And the clouds are full. And you're there. And the angel Gabriel has been proclaiming God's vision for your life to take Emmanuel and to give him to the world. You're a game changer. Your yes is a game changer. It's a game changer. Because sin and death was defeated once and for all because of her yes. And the evil one has laid himself out there. Like the cross is such a funny paradox. 
Because Satan's just like, oh, look what I did to your Messiah and to your Savior. He exposed his own evilness before the world. And as soon as he exposed his own evilness, goodness became victorious. And in these days that we are in right now, evil is exposing himself more than ever before. You see, the goal of the evil one is to lie in the shadows and to cause disruption without being seen. But guess what? He's being seen. Everyone sees it. Even the evil see it. They're like, oh, this sucks. I love it when people are like, oh, 2020, I can't wait till it ends. It's like, well, unless you give your life to Jesus, 2021 is going to be the same. But evil is showing his cards because he knows he's losing. And victory is coming. And the clouds are watching you. And they're asking, what are you going to do? Tonight, we're going to have a beautiful spotlight on the King of Kings. And all of our attention, as St. Paul says, he says, you who are running the race that lies before us, you keep your eyes on Jesus. And your eyes are up here, but the clouds, they're watching you tonight. And they're asking the very simple question, what are you going to do? How much will you give? Wow, that's a powerful message. I love, uh, I love when Dan gets on the stage and preaches. He, he brings a power that uh, it comes from an amazing passion and love for individuals. Friends, we're going we're gonna to reflect on that word and we're going to respond as a community. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed to work alongside amazing people like Dan Demite. And uh, please join us after the break as we respond to this um, powerful and convicting message in prayer. Thanks. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. The prayers of the elderly are powerful. Why? Because you learn in old age to depend upon God. There's no one else. Because you are still made to the image and likeness of God, no matter how old you are, you're valuable to God. Don't let anybody tell you you're not. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with program info, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. Just go to EWTN.com slash wings. Fill out your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. When you get yours, send it to all your friends, and they can send it to their friends. And pretty soon, we're covering the whole world with the good news about EWTN. Wings, the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where Encounter Meets Mission. Friends, this is our, our closing segment for today's show. We have been reflecting on uh, a, a word that Dan Demite, our regular show co-host and my co-executive director here at Damascus in Centerburg, Ohio, shared with us at our young adult conference called Empower that happened just last week uh, over, over the new year and leading into 2021. And uh, what a powerful message. Dan has an amazing way of, of bringing a tremendous intensity and accompanying it with just such a, such a compassionate love 
for transformation and, and, and for conversion. We, we rooted ourselves in, in the, the, the prophet Haggai, in a word that is, is, is truly filled with, um, with challenge for us. Uh, Haggai chapter 2, verses 3 through 9, where we see that in the midst of a culture, in the midst of a time period where the kingdom of God was suffering immensely, and we can commiserate with such things, that God calls a remnant forward to receive his spirit and to bring about complete cultural and faith transformation. That's ultimately what Dan was calling us to today. So friends, I, I want to respond um, particularly in prayer. You know, at, at the conference, we had, we had a couple hundred young adults who responded powerfully to this message, and we saw, we saw just complete transformation in, in hearts. And I, I pray that the same thing can happen for you today as we reflect on these words and as we share in this message So let's go ahead and pray together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we love you. Uh, Like we kicked off today's message with Dan, we love you. We love your name. We love what you do. We love who you are. God, we pray that you will continue to inspire us and convict us, not only of what we've done wrong, of where we've dropped the ball, but Jesus, of how we can do better. Um, our hearts are moved, God. Our hearts are, are, are motivated by the struggle, by the suffering, by the need that we see in our church today. Jesus, as, as your bride suffers, we suffer. And God, we, can, we, we commit ourselves that our every effort, that our work every day, that our heart, that our passion would be transformed, that we could give ourselves for building this kingdom with you, for co-laboring with you, that we would receive the inheritance that you've called us to receive. God, pour out your love, pour out your spirit upon us, upon our families, and upon our church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Friends, thanks for joining us again for Beyond Damascus. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. This show is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Also, if you're interested in listening again or maybe sharing this show with one of the young adults in your life, you can find this show wherever podcasts are found. Just search us on Beyond Damascus. It's as easy as that. Friends, I pray that this week, is completely transformative for you, that the message that we've shared today uh, could be an inspiration for you and could charge you for mission as, like St. Paul, who encountered Jesus on his road to Damascus, his life was transformed forever. So too should ours as we're sent forth on mission. God bless. Have an amazing day.